As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, I'm Zach, and one day I'm going to make movies, but right now I'm young, dumb, and not nearly as good-looking as my co-hosts. So with the help of... I'm Matthew. I'm Rodrigo. I'm Steven. I'm going to learn what makes a movie great by watching all the classics I have skipped over. So pop the corn and turn your cell phone to silent, because it's time for a new episode of Zach on Film. We're back, and now we have machine guns, explosions, blood, cool guy talk. It's all happening as we talk Die Hard this week on Zach on Film. Hey, Zach, welcome back. Yo, Steven. So why don't you address why we haven't had some Zach on films for like the last uh, month, maybe? Uh, Yeah, it's been a while since we've had Zach on film. Uh, You haven't been attending class. That's basically it. (laughs) The the true story of why there has been no Zach on film is because I have a job that I, I work at every day. And uh, sports happens to be a big part of it. And basketball season started uh, about the beginning of December when Zach on film kind of stopped there for a little bit. And that is because Tuesday nights also have basketball games. It's not just Fridays. And uh, I had to kickstart kind of a thing we're doing on Tuesdays. So I had to take over that for a while. So I could not record for a while. And hopefully that'll be fixed out and sorted better I, I in doubt the future it. i think we're gonna have hits and misses it'll it, it's zach it's not gonna film. be consistent and we can't will, we can't do tell zach, you that now we can't do zach on film without zach, zach i mean you could film. it would just be uh we'd be like be wrong so zach yeah uh, when this is you not here yeah, absolutely so. uh so zach tell us about this week's film mm, interesting <laughs> mm-hmm. ah yes yes good point huh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. ah yeah yeah I just don't think that would be as interesting. I mean, that for that for an hour, that's worth your time, probably. <laughs> <laughs> so originally, we wanted to do this uh, this week's film before Christmas because some people will say that this is the ultimate Christmas <sighs> movie. Yeah, and I, you know, to a point, I'd say, you know what? It is a pretty damn good Christmas movie. Better than it Christmas Story. No, not no. It's not a Christmas. It is a Christmas. Movie. It happens during Christmas. It's- not a Christmas movie. <laughs> Look, what is Christmas about? Christmas is about <laughs> family getting together. Yeah. Overcoming differences. Blowing shit up. Yeah. No, I guess that's, that's true. Christmas. Of course. What, what is in Die Hard? Family coming together. <laughs> trying to get over uh-huh. their differences. Blow shit up. Right. That's true. Um, never has Alan Rickman come <laughs> to my family holiday celebration. Would you want you to never have go, really? To, yes, I would, because we sit there, and Alan Rickman would be like, hey, I'm going to spin the dreidel now. Uh, we I haven't even mentioned the title of this week's movie, Die Hard. 
no, from uh, 19 whatever. 1988, starring Bruce Willis. Now, yes. interestingly, this is the first movie role of Alan Rickman. Look at that. And he would go on to be Snape, Snape, Severus Snape. Yep, Snape, he would be. I was he would also to... go on to be other things. What, is he in other things? Honestly, I've never, I don't think I've actually seen him anything else. Just eight Harry Potter movies and Die Hard. Zack. What else is he in? Well, I don't know. Let's look it up. Okay. That's why there's a thing called the I am Debbie. I am Debbie. I am Debbie. Let's see. He was in uh, Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. <laughs> Nailed it. He was in Sweeney Todd, the Demon Barber of Fleet Street. Okay. I have seen that. Uh, he was in Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. <laughs> he was in uh, Snow Cake. What? He was in Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. He was there's in. Oh, he, he uh, played the voice of Marvin, the paranoid android in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy never seen it he was in harry potter and the prisoner of azkaban right uh he was in love actually nope he was in harry potter and the chamber of secrets yep uh he was in <laughs> uh, harry potter and the sorcerer's stone yep All and right. no, more, of, no more and of those other, and some other movies oh, okay including he was Die in Hard. dogma yeah he was the he was the metatron oh, he, the is voice. In dogma. he had the best lines in yeah. dogma yep i did not tell you she was funny yep yeah gotta love yeah, he's yeah. the reason to watch this movie Oh, oh, Alan yeah, Rickman? Absolutely. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah he's he's well, that and the fact that you actually have Heinrich, Hans, Klaus, and Carl <laughs> all just lined up. You know, we're, we're literally like one Wilhelm away from just like an Oktoberfest breaking out. <laughs> What's really mind-blowing, and again, for those of us that are old enough to be alive in 1988, mm -hmm. um, and I was in high school, and I remember my friends coming back. My, at that time, my, my parents still probably are really weird about me going to an R-rated movie. Yeah. And so I really couldn't go see R-rated movies unless I went by myself and told them I was just going to go see a movie and then after the fact told them what movie I went to see. Mm -hmm. But if I had told them, oh, I'm going to go see Die Hard and they saw that it was R-rated, I would never be allowed to have gone to it. Yeah. But my friends and even my nerdiest friend that I had, he and his brother came to school one day and they just were quoting all of these lines <laughs> from the movie. I'm like, what movie are you guys talking about? They're like, Die Hard, it's a Christmas movie. You need to go see it. It's a Christmas movie. And I'm like, Okay, and so it was like a year. I think it was before it came out on on VHS or on it. Well, I shouldn't say VHS on HBO or Showtime before I got a chance to see it because my friend would record movies for me and then give them to me. <laughs> right. Um, the original Pirate Bay. Yes. You know what? That's probably <laughs> right. <laughs> we don't talk about it. Um, it was just it was it was keep circulating the tapes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But here, for those of us that, again, we're old enough to remember, there was a show on television that at one point was the number one comedy on television called Moonlighting uh, about these not two detectives. Not Moonlighting, not No, no, that's what I said, Moonlighting. has a cold. <laughs> um, probably from this big flight that I was on recently. So many sick people doing sick things. Yeah. I heard they me. threw you off because they didn't like your movie Red all State. They, they said that I was too <laughs> fat. Uh, I was worried about that when, on the second plane because it was pretty small. Um, I thought they were going to say, sir, can you sit on the back of the plane or something like that to oh, distribute the weight? Um, <laughs> but there was a show called Moonlighting about these two detectives, uh, uh, David Addison and Maddie Hayes, mm -hmm. and um, had a great theme song. It was funny. <laughs> and it was, it was comedy. And it, sh it starred Bruce Willis nice. when he had hair. Or Whoa. at that time, I'm some hair. Weird. Are you sure it didn't star Curtis Armstrong? <laughs> that's really because who seeing, seeing booger in a suit no, and tie you know when you talk about moments when shows started to go down 
I liked it when he was on occasionally, but when he became the most regular guy on the show back and that was at when um, Willis and who played Maddie Hayes, I forgot her name already, uh, Sybil, Shepherd. Sybil Shepherd, when they got too busy and they were doing too much fighting and they could only be on the show certain times of the year. And then it became uh, Curtis Armstrong and uh, the rhyming uh, receptionist show didn't become as fun. But Moonlighting was still the best episode ever, Zach. Yes. If you want to see the best episode of Moonlighting ever. I do. You need to see the one where they tell the tale of the taming of the shrew. And it's it's kind of meta because this kid comes in to sit down and watch an episode of Moonlighting on TV. But his mom says, have you read Taming of the Shrew yet for your homework? And he's like, no. And she's like, go read it. And so he goes and reads the Taming of the Shrew with all of the actors in the place of the characters from Taming of the Shrew. Well, that's interesting. It is and who visually, all is in the Taming of the Shrew? There's you know, that one Ledger. person. Yes. And it's and, it is uh, funny. It's it's a, it's a great funny. thing. But so here's this comedian who is going to be an action star. Mm-hmm. And people are like, how in the heck are you going to get a, a comedian to be serious as a Rambo or a lethal weapon? Both of those movies had come out before uh, Die Hard. Okay. And some people will say, well, Rambo is a modern day, is the modern day start of action movies. And I don't think so. I really think that Die Hard is the start of the modern day action film. And some people will say Lethal Weapon uh, with uh, Mel Gibson. And Zach's looking at me as I'm pointing to my head and doing the screwball <laughs> around the ears. No, I, I figured that one. Um, <laughs> but no, it is, it's really right here with Die Hard. And... When they were doing the uh, promotions for Die Hard, Bruce Willis's face was not front and center on the promotions. It was Alan Rickman on this. And yeah. uh, because Alan Rickman was the he was a thing. Well, he was certainly the scary bad guy. And there's he some was people the, the it guy of 1987. Some people might argue. And, and I don't know. Let me get you get your guys' thought on this. I, I was reading an article um, the other day where someone was saying that Alan Rickman is really the protagonist of the story. He's the one that's driving the entire story. Mm -hmm. He's the one that is creating the issues and trying to get his goal of all the, all the uh, bonds in this safe, that he's the real protagonist and it's Bruce Willis. Who's his antagonist stopping him from doing everything. Well, Well, I mean, from a, from a storytelling perspective, that's kind of true. The problem that you run into there is, most people take protagonist to mean hero. True. Right. And in this case, you, you have a villain protagonist, and then you have Bruce Willis basically coming in and, and being kind of that that pop-and-go villainous role. I mean, if you look at the structure of the story, that is entirely accurate. Mm-hmm. Willis basically, he falls in almost into the Bugs Bunny role, maybe a little bloodier, with a few more F-bombs. <laughs> but, you know, you know, Hans Gruber is trying to, to Daffy Duck it up the place, and then Bruce Willis keeps popping in and doing his Bugs Bunny thing, and yeah. finally he figures it all out and you takes know, like, Lola Bunny hostage. I kind of thought about the middle of this when he kicks the chair at the C4 down the oh, yeah, elevator. Yeah. I was like, welcome, this is, to, the, welcome yeah. to the party. <laughs> yeah, this is uh, adult Home Alone almost. That's what I kind of thought. I was like, yeah. he just needs to set some more traps and oh, kick yeah. someone in the head with a brick and uh-huh. like... He's fine. So like, I, I'm really curious. This is the first time you've ever seen Die Hard. Oh, absolutely. A- even after I've been begging you for like six years. Yeah, no, I to watch Die Hard. Yeah, no, not it. This was not my thing. Why not? It's not your thing. Uh, action movies have never done it for me that much. Not a big like. Never seen Rambo. 
I'm I've watched well, you need to watch you I've need to watched watch Rockies out of respect for my dad, but I really don't like the Rocky movies that much. Okay. <laughs> Shaking my head in, in disgust and I'm just speechless at this point, Zach. Yeah, I know. Um Big surprise. So the first Rocky movie yeah. is really a great character piece, right? And it's not about the action, it's not about the boxing. Yeah. It's about how this character is evolving and what he is coming to grip grips with, and we'll do Rocky later down the road. Oh yeah. When um what was the other movie you mentioned that I was just Rambo. Rambo. So the first Rambo movie, First Blood, um, is again a good character piece that has some action in it. Mm. Um and really has that underlying theme of to an extent. I mean, you really kind of have to push it maybe a little bit too far of what are we doing with our vets coming home from Vietnam? Because this movie came out in what, 82, I want to say, 83, Rambo? Yeah, I'm going to say 82 on Rambo. Uh, yeah, now, 82. First Blood, first, blood, first, blood two, first Blood came out in 82, and that's the one that, that I'm talking yeah, about. right. And you're, you know, this is still within that realm of bringing the, the troops back from Vietnam. Mm-hmm. Um, but here's a story that's really in Die Hard, really a sequel to a previous story written by John McTernan um, about this character uh, that Bruce Willis pl- plays. John McClane. John McClane. Um, and as this book starts, or as this story starts, he and his wife have gone through in irreconcilable differences, essentially, where he wants to be a cop in New York. She wants to grow a career opportunity, again, in the 80s, not something that many women do. Right. And he's got to come to uh, L.A. at Christmas time to see if he can patch things up and get the family unit back together. The bad thing is at the Nakatomi Towers, uh, where <laughs> Japanese organization, um, where the holiday party is going on, a bunch of terrorists come in um, and everyone thinks that they're there to hold the place hostage until their crazy terrorist uh, cell demands are met. Mm-hmm. But in reality, they're right. there to perform a high end heist of ripping off these bear bonds um, and making themselves millionaires. Right. The Alan Rickman character thinks that he has everything taken care of until this rogue element, Bruce Willis comes in and screws everything up for for him. And so this whole process of this, the whole process of the movie is how are we going to defeat the rogue element while still keeping on our Mm -hmm. timetable so that we can get out of here the way that we have things planned. And of course it all ends with the uh, Bruce Willis winning the bad guys, everyone dying. (laughs) And of course, since we have the explicit tag shit blowing up. Right. Of course. So you don't like the shit blowing up part. Uh, Is that what gets to you? I don't know. It's just like, Maybe I should actually watch uh, these old movies of action nature now that I've I've grown uh, from the, the 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 movie critics of essentially of a natty light to a nice uh, cabernet wine. That's what I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say. My movie uh, looking has shifted to. It's probably a horrible analogy. Don't worry about it. Was it an analogy? I don't know. I think it was a I said thing. Sure, I don't know. English is my second language. So, what what are the big things, what are the big, if you could pick two or three big things in this movie that are kind of general themes or tropes. General themes or tropes. In this movie, what would they be? 
Uh, saying a really cool line before something explodes. Okay, saying a really cool line. Yeah. Okay. Uh, a lot of blood. Okay. Violence. And outrageous explosions. And blowing stuff up. Yeah. So, look at every quote-unquote action movie since then. Mm-hmm. Look at Transformers. Oh, no, that's why I watched this movie. I was like, oh, Michael Bay totally watched this movie. He was young. Looked it up. He was 20 when this came out. I was like, yeah, he saw this. It's like... I'm going to do this one day. Lens flares, explosions, guys saying cool stuff. Look at... Michael Bay. Look at J.J. Abrams. Oh, yeah. Look at look at any action movie today, and it's got somebody saying a quippy line. Mm-hmm. It's got lots of fight scenes and violence, and then it's got massive explosions yeah. on an epic scale. Things mm-hmm. that people wouldn't survive no. from, right? <laughs> yeah. And it's you can trace that line back to this point right mm-hmm. here at Die Hard as the modern action adventure. Oh movie. no! I see. I under, watching this. I understood like this is where things started for this genre, but it's still not my cup of tea. It's not mm-hmm. my thing. I enjoy, mm-hmm. but no, I understood uh, where thing that how why this was important from watching it. There's a. Um, another cool thing about Die Hard and the way that it's presented in story structure, I think, is really, really solid as well. You know, the end of the first act, we talk about uh, stories having a beginning, middle and end. Mm-hmm. The end of the first act doesn't come until almost 30 minutes into the movie. So in the beginning, th- the story, the, the the director and everybody tell a great story of setting up who John McClane is because we see him getting off the plane with a giant teddy bear. Mm-hmm. So we know that he's family man. We know that. He still may have a wandering eye because he flirts a little bit uh, with people. Mm -hmm. He's getting in the limo, and instead of riding in the back, he's more than happy to (laughs) ride up in the front. Mm -hmm. uh, But he doesn't want to talk about things that are going on. Um, He gets upset because his wife is not holding his name. uh, And he's a hothead. All of this happens up until the moment where Holly, his wife, has to go down and make a speech Mm -hmm. to everyone at Nakatomi Tower. Um. And some great parallel storytelling, because as he is moving to the the building, we are intercutting with Rickman and the, um, uh, what, what do they call themselves, First Dawn or whatever they are, uh, the terrorist group. And we're intercutting them going through the building at the same time that Willis is going through mm-hmm. the building. And we see them setting up their plot while we're also seeing Willis. There's great parallel storytelling. This is a perfect example of parallel storytelling. Um, things start, guns going off. Usually we, when we end a first act is when the character has to decide whether they're going to fight or run or, you know, whatever that they're going to do. And it's at the point Bruce Willis is looking at out the window and sees the terrorist coming down the hallway. He knows he can't grab his gun. Mm-hmm. He looks, he sees an exit. And the minute that he runs and we see that exit door closing, that's the end of Act 1. Um, we get to the end of Act 2 really is when everything is just on fire and, and burning, right? Because uh, that's really where Act 3 begins, where we see the resolution mm-hmm. and the big fight at the end and then the hanging out the window. Spoiler. Um, and we think that we're at the end of Act 3 uh, when Rickman falls to his death. I got an interesting bit on that. Oh. And um, and then he and his wife are hugging each other and the Christmas music comes up and, right. and all that stuff. 
you also have something. Um, oh, Matthew, maybe you remember the term for it. It's slipping my mind at the moment where um, it's a climax after the main climax. Um, and it's really the resolution of the story for um, uh, the cop. Yeah. Ow. Yeah. Right, right yeah. Now. Powell. No, no, no. The uh, Al. Yeah. Al. The other cop. Yeah. The the guy that went on to be on uh, Family Matters. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uncle Phil. No. Um, no, no, no. No, no, no. Not us. <laughs> um, but so we get to this point where the Bruce Willis story is resolved. You know, right. he and his wife are together. They're all happy. But Powell, who has told this story earlier in the film about how he can't be a cop anymore, can only be a desk cop because of this incident that happened. He gets his own resolution in the story, too, because then right. we have uh, Fritz or whatever his name jumping out and getting ready to kill everybody. And then Powell makes his his move and mm-hmm. kills um, kills the guy. Um, totally. And so we have kind of two little resolutions that go on in this in this piece. The other thing about storytelling that's really good is this is the the perfect case of the rise and fall in your action where you build up to some action and it gets really intense. Mm. And then you give your audience a moment to pause and breathe. You know, yeah. these parts where Bruce Willis is running around going, come on, come on, come on. Why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? Up in the unfinished parts of the building. Right. And then a, somebody comes up and has a, a fight scene and then you pause a little bit again. And then another fight scene that's bigger than the last and it keeps building and, and giving the audience a chance to breathe. And that's really important in an action film is mm-hmm. if you just run it nonstop, your audience is going to be exhausted and won't be able to keep up. But if you give them moments where they can catch their breath before the next rise in action, you're going to hold them on for a long time. And this movie does an excellent job of that. Um, what are some things that you noticed about the film, e- either from the narrative side, from uh-huh. the storytelling side? Or wherever you want to take this. Uh, let me look at my notes. Um, bum, 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 oh yeah, you bum, got a bum, bunch of notes bum, here this week. Bum, bum. Let's go my first one. Uh, I realized that you know you, you can use uh, uh, smoke and fog to diffuse light, and you get some nice looks. I learned through Die Hard that if you want to get uh, a wide spectrum of lighting situations into your movie, just start blowing up a building. Because you're going to get blinking emergency lights, uh, odd colors of lights, like red lights for all the emergency stuff. There's going to be smoke in the air. You're going to get diffused things. Lights will be out. So it it will seem natural when only part of a person's face is lit because all Mm -hmm. these light bulbs just got exploded by a machine gun that somehow holds 80 clips or 80 rounds in its clip because they're just blowing stuff up before they ever need to reload. Yeah. Uh, So if you want to get some interesting lighting situations in your movie, just start blowing up a building. That's what I learned from Die Hard. You know, the interesting thing about blowing up that building is this is a Fox Tower. And yes. they had to get a crap ton of permission to do that helicopter sequence. And even blowing oh, even imagine. blowing out the windows on the lower floor. I think at the time Ronald Reagan was living there. Oh. I don't know for sure. Um, but they, they got permission to do that helicopter crash scene. And they were told they could only do it for two hours. They had a two hour window to do it in. Well. And they ended up having uh, to do it in three takes to get it done right. So they had to Dang. reset that entire helicopter crashing to the side of the building three times and the flyover with the guns and everything. Yeah. Three times in those two hours. That's really impressive Oof. to get something like that. Yeah. Done. Um, the other thing that I found very impressive is Alan Rickman does his own falling stunt. He dropped really? 70, he dropped 70 feet uh, backwards wow. on a green screen so that when he does that first initial slow motion mm-hmm. falling back, 
and you see him falling, that's that's not a stunt man. How f- seventy feet is how far he fell back. Was he in a harness? Uh, no, I think he fell into one of those poofy, uh, puffy oh, things. Yeah, Holy but the crap, look of though. terror that's, on his face that's real. is totally real because he'd never done anything like <laughs> yeah, this that's before. Insane. Seventy feet's a long way. Flip that around to the point where we see the body falling. Yeah, and you see the actual person waving their arms as they're falling from the wide shot, mm-hmm. and you see uh, Deputy uh, Dwayne uh, saying, "Oh, I hope that's not one of the hostages." Yeah. <laughs> um, interesting thing, and I, I think this is the first time this stunt was done is they developed a special way that you could drop people hundreds of feet without them hurting uh, themselves or getting killed and and use a very thin wire because they developed this system that would be a slow break system. Mm -hmm. So you could fall at gravity speed up until like the last 20 feet or something, and then the system kicks in and it it slows you to a stop without jerking you and, and snapping your neck or anything like that. Oh my, and that I was believe, a real person? Yeah, that's a real stuntman doing that. Oh, and I believe wow. that this is the first film that this was done on. The only other one that I can remember, what was the name with, uh, what was the movie with Bruce, uh, not Bruce Willis, um, Burt Reynolds as the... Um, Sharky's Machine. Sh- well, yeah, Sharky's Machine. That's the other one that this... That, Where that they did that stunt. massive fall. Yes. Was that Sharky's Machine yes. come out before 88? Or, yeah. Sharky's Machine, I want to say it was 83? Maybe? I'll check the wiki. Wiki, wiki, wiki. That actually is a terrible movie, by the way. No, but it's got that huge falling uh, sequence. Um, same same technology being used there. Did you find it? I can't even find it. Sharky's Machine is the, the name. 81. It's is about that a man named Sharky who has a machine. Yes, and that is a massive fall. In yeah, yeah. That one is ridiculous. So I was watching this one in Die Hard. I thought, oh, they're just throwing a dummy off the Ooh. roof or something. And it just happened to look kind of convincing. No, no, it's, yeah. Wow, that's terrifying. It is, isn't it? Wouldn't you That'd love to? Horrible. I mean, a lot of, and there's a lot of action. I mean, this is. Oh, yeah, a, there's a lot of action. If you want to see, uh, um, I, th- I think you should also, if you're ever, and you said you're not interested in action films, really. so I don't think that this will ever come up for you. But if you ever need to choreograph an action fight sequence, mm-hmm. just look at any of the fight sequences that go on here. From the first time that he uh, uh, fights the the guy uh, and then writes the ho, ho, ho before he oh, snaps yeah. his neck. Yeah. Fall down the stairwell. Yeah, that's a good fight scene. Um, just look and see. Break it down shot for shot mm-hmm. and look and see how it's done. You'll, you'll be, I think, pretty amazed at how well choreographed the fight scenes are. Uh, and then even yeah. later when, at the end when he's fighting uh, the main uh, – not Rickman, but the other main bad guy. What's his name? Uh, uh, the one in the body bag? Franz. Franz, yeah, or Hans, or whatever his name is. Hans and, Hans and Franz. <laughs> um, uh, what's his name? Carl? Oh, Carl, Carl. Oh, yeah. That guy. Carl. Yeah, the very Carl, end. hello. I am Carl, and I have come from Six Building. That's how he talks. <laughs> Watch that fight sequence. And you'll just see a really great breakdown of how to choreograph a fight scene. Right on. Um, he was also an, uh, one of the Amish in uh, Witness. If you've never Uh-oh. seen Witness, you should see Witness. I thought you were going to say... He was uh, also in Kingpin. the Money Pit. No. Dang it. Good uh, enough? Um, ba 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 Blonde guy? Oh, yes, the blonde guy. Yeah. The other thing that really blew people's minds in this movie was the use of... Um, 
Beethoven's Ninth, the Ode to Joy, mm-hmm. as your that was awesome as your music throughout the whole movie. The whole movie was Ode to Joy, but pretty much uh, there uh, may I be some different. The, uh... There may be some different um, moments in the movie where they're doing some other music, but that yeah. whole beginning part is the opening act of uh, that, and then it culminates to the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's when I noticed it really. Yeah, and it's it's so well done. I haven't watched this movie in a while. I have to sit down and watch it again. I didn't have time to sit down and you know refresh my you know my I, memory on everything. I, I said that music. action movies aren't my thing, and they certainly aren't um, by a long stretch. But I totally did get sucked into this movie, which I did not expect going in. Uh, it could have been Bruce Willis's incredible pecs. The dude was ripped, which was a nice way to show it off when they just slowly took off all of he what he was wearing on top of his body. I was confused when he didn't have when he went from. Uh, t-shirt to tank top coming out of the uh, vents. Yeah, yeah. I was like, Where, where'd your shirt go, Bruce? It was all dirty. <laughs> I go, well, his tank top wasn't very clean. Yeah, it was all dirty from crawling in those dirty vents. You know, the scene where the guy falls down the shit, where he falls down the shaft mm-hmm. and misses and then grabs the other oh, one. Oh, yeah. That was actually a mistake. That's a, that was a, a stunt that went wrong. Oh, the really? the uh, stunt and missed oh. the vent that he was yeah. supposed to be in. And caught the second, and then in editing, the editor was like, well, you know, this is actually a better shot than yeah. the one where the, where the stunt actually worked. Interesting. And so they used that. So. Yeah. Here's the thing. Um, and we've talked about this before, where Die Hard had such an impression on people mm-hmm. that you will see so much of this played again and again and again and again in other movies. Uh, the crawling through the ventilation system, yeah. the blowing up the building, the jumping off the stuff, just over the top action, even in the old, even in the sequels to Die Hard. Um, but some people even actually recreate the entire plot to Die Hard in 60 minutes. Uh, <laughs> a couple of weeks ago on the Major Spoilers podcast, one of the other shows that we do in the Major Spoilers podcast network, Matthew and I were discussing uh, a TV show called Almost Human. Uh, oh, yeah. It's a show on uh, Fox. On Fox. There is an episode where they do die hard. <laughs> I'm serious. You laugh. If you watch if you've seen die hard mm-hmm. and you watch this episode, you're going to go, they totally ripped off die hard. <laughs> Even the crawling through the elevator scene. Wow. Or the, not the elevator through the uh, ventilation. ventilation system. Totally ripped it off. Interesting. So you're going to see homages it's an to homage. these things. Yeah, well, sure. boy. I mean, it's, it's like lifting heavy plot points. Yeah. Key elements from did, the film. Did they really heavily lampshade it and go, hey, guys who are watching who know the Die Hard? No, not at all. Not at all. That's why I was at the point where I realized that this was a heist and then they hit the, you know, the lockdown, the crawling through the um, um, ventilation shaft, the point where these terrorists are not really terrorists. They're just thieves. It was like, this is Die Hard. <laughs> And That's I was crazy. really disappointed in that show uh, from there. So. Uh, just going back, hitting on the, uh, seeing this influence stuff, hitting back on Michael Bay, Transformers movies, they take one Linkin Park song and that's their entire score. <laughs> I'm not kidding. They they do the orchestra. And Linkin does Park renditions. and Ode to Joy are very similar. Well, I'm just saying uh, they take a, a piece, a, mu- a music piece and create their score. Just Just throwing that out there. Let's thank some people. Okay. Because they're do cool. That. Uh, I spoke prematurely. 
Where That's okay. It happens. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's okay. Who are our executive producers? Uh, no, 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 not executive producers. Let's make that clear. I'm sorry. You're the executive. They are the associate producers. Hold on. I have. I'm the script. key grip. I'm the best boy. <laughs> Let's keep naming things because apparently. It's What's a producer do? I don't know. Then you're a producer. <laughs> Stop asking. Um, the shows tomorrow. There's my thing. It's opening. <laughs> hey. I'm good now. Uh, shout out to our associate producers Peter Walker, Kevin Hope, Colin McCauley, Brian Riley, Paul Wade, Sean Brown, Olin Lutrell, Richard Kubrick. Ryan King and Stephen Bauer, thank you for your donation to Major sure, Bowlers. Stephen King and Ryan Bauer. Mm, yep, for sure. Thank you for donating to Major Spoilers <laughs> and keeping all these shows going week in and week out. Yep, we love you all. If it, if it wasn't for you guys, we would seriously we would not be able to do what we're doing. And not even close. Most certainly would not have uh, gotten really close to winning a podcast award this year. So thank you for yeah. that. Careful. What else? What else you got there, Zach? What else do I got here? Anything well, else? Let me find Final my... thoughts? Final thoughts. Um, the fiance watched this movie with me. Oh, yeah. We forgot about her. Uh, and by watched it with me, I mean, I started it last night, and I was super tired from working all day and on the site network, and then I was like, I fell asleep. I was like, if I fall asleep, Steven's going to be mad at me, so I just got to turn it off. <laughs> but uh, she actually enjoyed it, and she was kind of happy Snape was in there. That made her more interested in this movie. You know what I do love about this? Hmm. Speaking of Snape, this movie is uh, fascinating for me to watch as a a year-long player, a lifelong player of a game called Hey, It's That Guy. (laughs) This movie has Principal Dick Vernon and Walter Peck of the EPA, and they're not villains, but they're still douchey, and they're still (laughs) Principal Dick Vernon and Walter Peck-esque terrible people. In this film, and I'm like, I want to hate you both because of the other things I know you from. Well, Zach I mean, is like, are these references to movies from the? Well, he saw Sixteen Candles. We talked about Sixteen Candles on the show. Right? I mean, not I've Sixteen Candles. Uh, no, uh, the Breakfast, uh, the Breakfast Club. Club. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. Vernon is in there. Yeah, you recognized him. You've seen right? the right? And you, have you seen Family Family Matters no. with Urkel? No. Okay, so he doesn't know who Al Powell is. No, that guy looked familiar. Oh. Have you, have you seen the Harry Potter? Uh, no, what is this you speak of? Oh, it's a great movie, Zach. You should really go check it out. There's eight of them. It's a, it's really a movie. Wow. It's the one where Patrick awesome. Swayze and Demi Moore are making uh-huh. clay pots, but they're really hairy. It sounds like Ghost. Shh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. Right. Saw through your ruse. Um, so we had a discussion. A yeah. A short discussion. Yeah. yeah. Zach didn't like the film. That's okay. Well, that's okay, Zach. Exactly. Yeah, I guess we could Loves say I didn't. Film. I didn't love the film. I appreciate the film. Uh, I liked F minus minus. Yeah. Um, F I, I I understand why people like it. I th- I think a, a little bit comes up from the uh, the Bruce Willis John McClane character of being such an underdog going against the terrorist, but also sticking it to the man of the stupid cop people. He, I think he's a likable character. Who says cool stuff? And, and he's not. Stuff up. He's not like Nicolas Cage in Con Air, where he's suddenly superhuman, right? He's he 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 bleeds and he he you know misses his his lot. vent and 
Yeah. Well, I he's, mean, there's, he's a character. Yeah, he's not. He's not, he's not the perfect to be superhero. Yeah, he's not James Bond who can shoot anyone a mile away with one shot. It's also an interesting buddy movie. Uh, yeah. In the relationship between Bruce Willis and Al Powell, mm-hmm. um, or yeah. I should say, John McClane and Al Powell, because there's a moment oh, wow, where yeah. Bruce Willis is at the lowest point of of the whole movie. Mm-hmm. He's walked through glasses, feet are all cut up and bleeding. He thinks he's going to die, or he knows yeah. he's going to die. And he is talking to Powell and having a very personal moment that somebody he's never seen face to face with and right. is opening himself up to the audience and to the, and to um, Powell and to his wife saying, you know, please tell my wife that I love her and I'm sorry. And he's, you know, making his confession and it's a real change in the character because he just is at his lowest moment mm-hmm. and Powell is like, Hey man, yep you can do this and you can, you can do it. Even though everyone else is telling you to stop it and stand down, go finish what you started. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, and he does. So it's, it's a weird buddy movie in, in that yeah, sense. I never thought about that, but it totally makes sense. Yeah. And it, it I mean, it's a very subtle buddy movie. It's another thing mm-hmm. where kind of like the, the reverse of who's the real protagonist, it kind of inverts the standard structure of that buddy movie. Yeah. Which I think is really fascinating. And of course, anytime you can bag on Twinkies, that has to be a good movie. <laughs> and anytime you can utter the phrase "Yippee ki yay," yeah, and then blow people up from from the yeah. table, that is uh, yes. that's that's awesome. It's actually that line is referring to a person who stirs concrete with a pitchfork. Yes, that's exactly what a, it's a, about. a a mortar forker, if you will. <laughs> uh, um, anything else, Zach? So, um, or are you going to wrap us up? No, we can wrap us up. Okay. Uh, make sure to head over to Majorspoilers.com where you can find this on the cool new redesigned Major Spoilers website. Podcast. Go to the Major Spoilers podcast mini site where you can find all sorts of podcasts, including this one, where you can give your thoughts on Die Hard. Make sure to, while you're on Majorspoilers.com, click on that Amazon.com link and do all of your great post-Christmas shopping. So many stuff <laughs> to buy and make up for all the people you made mad for not buying Christmas gifts. Uh, none of it will cost you any extra, but a little bit will come back to major spoilers. Um, that's it. I do believe next time <laughs> we will be watching a movie, and we will promise that we will get that to you as soon as possible. So next time, that'll be next time. Sunset Boulevard. Closing. Yeah, oh, Sunset Boulevard. Sunset there we go. Boulevard. We'll watch Sunset Boulevard for next sec on film. It's right there on the list, sack. Oh, my right screen was blank. Well, I didn't know if you were supposed to say it, because you know we don't know when we're going to come back. Well, I don't know when we come I'm, back, but I'm we don't know what the next movie okay, is. There you go. So, uh, plan ahead. Sunset Boulevard for the next second film. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.